Hello, friends, and welcome to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Five years ago, Logan Cole's life was changed forever. Listen as he reflects on his life and the Cedarville experience. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I am Mark Weinstein, and joining me today on the program is Logan Cole, a senior at Cedarville University who is majoring in IT management. Like some of my guests on this program, Logan, to me, is a walking miracle. As a high school student at West Liberty High School in Ohio, Logan was the victim of an active shooter situation where he was shot when he met the gunman in the restroom. We'll talk more about this story later on the program. Uh, for now, let me welcome Logan Cole to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. It's great to have you on studio today, uh, Logan. It's great to be here. I have known Logan for nearly four years, mainly because of the story he will share with us later on the podcast. We've seen each other sporadically on campus since his freshman year, and now he's just a few months away from graduating from Cedarville. Logan, what, what thoughts come to your mind when you realize your undergraduate experience is about to end? I guess it's a lot of emotions. This has been obviously a huge part of my life for the yeah. past uh, three and a half years. Um, there's a lot of excitement. Um, kind of moving on to the next stage, and I and about a couple months ago I got engaged, and so kind oh, of moving you? on to. <laughs> I didn't know about yeah, this. Yeah, so I'll be getting married in the summer, and um, and yeah, so it's there's a lot of excitement, but then also a little bit of sadness because sure. um, I've formed a lot of really really good memories here and made yeah. a lot of really good friends who I probably won't be seeing quite as much. What are some of those memories that really uh, mean have special meaning for you? Yeah, I've kind of thought about that recently, kind of reflecting back upon. Um, my time here and it's like there's really not like one big thing that sticks out it's yeah. just every now and then I'll think of something that happened like sophomore year and I'm like oh that was really fun and then yeah. just like like one of my big things was I was a I was in Lawler for three years um and I grew really really close to the people around me there um I just love that dorm and then um and so there's the things we would do together as a unit we'd decorate our dorm for Christmas for campus Christmas and yeah. Um, we'd go out and just play spike ball a couple times a week and just kind of a bunch of things. Um, we had an intramural soccer team and things like that. So just yeah. all those things kind of come together and make a really, really great experience. Yeah. Is Nick Boucher your RD? <laughs> yeah, he was. I'm actually off campus now, oh, okay. um, but for my first three years, he was. Yeah, he's a crazy guy. Yeah, he's pretty crazy. He's great. Yeah, he's, he's great. He's a great ambassador for Cedarville University. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the news that you just broke here to me about your engagement. So uh, did you meet your fiance here at Cedarville? No, actually, I didn't. Um, we went to high school together, okay. and we've kind of been friends for most of our lives. Our families are pretty close, and she ac actually goes to um, another school in the state. But um, yeah, so we just have about an hour, which is kind of a little bit long distance travel, but we see each other a few times a month, and yeah. Good. Congratulations. Thank you. So um, staying on the path of uh, your college career is coming to an end. Graduation is just you know basically around the corner. What are your plans for... Um, your life after you graduate. Are you going to work with your dad, Ryan, in Urbana, or do you have something else in the works? Yeah, so my grandpa founded a packaging business in Urbana, um, and my goal is kind of to go work at that. My uncles all work there, and my grandpa's retired now, but a lot of my family does, and um, I think kind of getting involved in that family business would be something I would really enjoy. It's kind of been my dream ever since I was little, seeing my dad um, go to work every day. And they're like, I don't work with my dad when I get older. So yeah, your dad's one of your heroes, isn't he? Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, that's special. So as I mentioned, Logan, in the introduction, you were a victim of a high school shooting. Um, but 
what was to me what's key or a key part of that story is how your faith really played a key role in helping you through it. Can you share with us your your uh, testimony? Yeah, for sure. I've grown up in a Christian home my whole life. I was saved around the age of like six or so, um, so pretty young. Um, and ever since then, I've I've grown in my faith. Yeah. Uh, of course, there are hills and valleys and things like that as as we all grow. And um, and yeah, but I've always had constant encouragement from my family, from my parents to um, just stay involved in the word um, and to keep a focus on my faith. Um, and then and then the shooting came along and that was a really big, I honestly, I kind of want to say challenge, but it wasn't really a challenge to my faith. Like I really feel like my faith is what got me through that. Um, and I can kind of elaborate more on that later, but um, it's really kind of what helped me. I mean, I know I feel like God did save me physically from dying that Absolutely. day. Um, but then also he did save me mentally as well. I think the the mental state I'm in now and the mental state I was in after the shooting um, is is just, it's it's a miracle too, in yeah. addition to the physical um, protection I was given. Yeah, I look forward to unpacking the story as we go through the podcast because I know our listeners are really going to enjoy it. If you don't mind, I'd like to go back to that that day of the shooting, um, which was on January 20th, 2017. You severed multiple shotgun uh, blasts to your chest and your back. How did the situation unfold? Um, yeah, it was kind of a a big combination of things going, I think a lot of people would say going poorly for me to be in that situation. Um, I would say it was a big combination of things kind of going rightly, um, which I can kind of explain more later, but essentially the fact that I was there at that moment um, helped the situation, I guess, not turn into what it could have, I think. Right. Um, but anyways, I had a mock trial competition that day, um, which is pretty much like where you argue a fake court case in front of a real judge with, against okay. other schools. Um, okay. I kind of was involved in that. And so I was on the other side of the school um, that day from where I normally normally would be and we were about to load up on the bus. And okay. then I decided to go into the bathroom to check my hair <laughs> to make sure it looks good um, <laughs> before, we, before we leave. It's a classic high school guy thing to do. Right. Um, and then the second I walk in there, um, so the bathroom is not a door. It's kind of like a dividing wall almost. Sure. That And so I kind of, I walked around the wall and the second I walked in there, I looked to the left and there's um, a person with a mask on with a shotgun leveled at me. And so essentially instantly I was shot in the chest mm. um, and that spun me around. And then I was shot pretty much square in the back um, with the 12 gauge shotgun. And so I remember falling onto the concrete floor, like on my face and my teeth breaking. Mm -hmm. um, that was a, that's something I really stuck out to me is kind of just falling down. Um, and then, so I blacked out for a little bit. And then while I was blacked out, the shooter stepped over me, walked out into the hall. Um, well, he kind of walked pretty much between the hallway and the bathroom where the kind of the entry opens. And while he was out there, I tried to get up and get away from the door because I knew he wasn't in the bathroom anymore. So I kind of start walking. I stand up somehow and start walking over toward the bathroom stall in the corner of the bathroom. And right. I kind of stumble back down in front of it. And yeah. so I kind of go out again. And while the shooter walked out, he fired a couple shots into the hallway. Um, and he thankfully didn't hurt anybody. Everybody had kind of cleared out and was in their classrooms um, at that point. And so 
Um, and in the middle of all that, one of my, um, my advisor for mock trial, one of my teachers actually walked into the bathroom, like right after I got shot because he yeah. thought, he thought somebody had put firecrackers in the toilet. That's what yeah. he thought had happened. Yeah. Um, and he kind of saw the situation. He ran out in the hall, yelled active shooter. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then that's after that is when the shooter walked out. Yeah, so let me, let me pause here. And, uh, because, you know, you said earlier that, um, your your you being there really helped diffuse the the, the a, a really bad situation going really worse, and that's because you actually spoke to the shooter after you were shot. What did you say say to him? So the shooter had fired shots in the hallway. He walked back in and he went and sat, um, just kind of like on the toilet in the stall with the gun. He as he was reloading it, okay. and then so, um, so he was he was going to go out and shoot more. Yes, he was going to go out and shoot more. He had brought a lot of shotgun shells. And he had it all in his backpack. So his plan was to hurt a lot of people that day. Yeah. Um, and so I was kind of on the floor facing him. He was sitting in the stall with the door open. And I pretty much just said to him, well, he said to me, you're not dead. And I said, no. <laughs> um, and I, well, I told him, I, I pleaded with him, just please go get help. Um, yeah. Please find help. And I said, don't hurt anybody else. Right. And then he pointed the gun at himself. And I said, you don't need to hurt yourself. Just please go get help. Yeah. Um, and then um, right about then was when the principal and assistant principal um, ran in. And they, um, the assistant principal was actually the wrestling coach of the shooter. And so the shooter gave up the gun, got on the ground. The wrestling coach kind of got on top of him. And then the other, and then the principal went and got help. And then so, um, then I had people from the main office and the athletic director, who's a trained EMT. Everybody kind of came and started tending to my wounds until the um, emergency medical service could get there. Um, and so they just kind of tried to stop the bleeding. And I remember one thing is that, well, I come from an area that's pretty um, Christian area. And so I just remember right. multiple people and they're just praying over me audibly, um, yeah. which was really, really, really cool. Even at that moment. Right. And that just what must've been so crazy. So you were aware, praying. you were conscious of what's going on. I was aware of what's going on. I think that I've forgotten a lot of things about it. Um, just, I think due to the nature of trauma and how our minds deal with it, but, right. um, through telling stories and things like that and just kind of sharing my story a lot, which I've been able to do. Right. Um, I've kind of been able to remember a lot of it and yeah, so I do, I was aware. I remember a lot of what happened. Are you surprised the shooter actually took your counsel? Yeah, I guess I haven't thought about that too much. I I don't really remember what my exact reaction was at that moment when he took my counsel. I was just, I guess, kind of fighting for my life. And I just, right. Um, right. and I think I have kind of a, I have a more peacemaker kind of heart to me. Um, yeah. And so I didn't really feel any emotions of anger toward him at that time. And yeah. um, I think I could, point that back to being raised um, in the faith and to the way my parents have taught me um, to treat things and just the way God made me. Um, I think I was, I think I was the right person for that situation right. um, because of what God has done for me and the experiences he's given me. Just as um, because it's a small school, small community, I assume that you two knew each other even before the shooting, right? Yeah. Um, the shooter and I had, had interacted a number of times before i remember we were in the same group in sixth grade orientation um and my school only graduates about 85 people for per class my high school did um okay. and so um everybody knew everybody right um, i didn't know it was him at first because he had a mask, mask. on um he had taken that off at some point between when he went out to the hall and kind of got back into the stall um and at that point i did know it was him yeah. um but yeah we hadn't really we weren't 
we weren't in the same circles. So it's not, but it's not like we weren't, it's not like we were enemies or anything. We right. were, we were close enough to where we would have good interactions with each other. Yeah. And he didn't target you. You just no. were used in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. or the right place. Or at the, the right, right time. place at the right time. Because I don't, I'm yeah. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of thankful that it went the way that it went because if he had walked out and been able to continue his plan, he very well may have walked into a classroom and right. it's not hard to imagine what could have happened if I hadn't just happened to step yeah. in there at that moment. Yeah, good point. Logan, just last month, there was a school shooting in Oxford, Michigan, a small community north of Detroit where four students lost their lives and to, to a classmate shooting and countless others either were injured or are dealing with trauma in some way uh, today. When you hear of shootings like this one in Oxford, what goes through your mind? Do you ever get flashbacks because of they're very similar. Yeah, I wouldn't say I get flashbacks. Um, I'm very thankful that I've been blessed to not have very like severe like PTSD or anything like that okay. from the shooting. I think the first month or so afterwards, I had a lot of bad dreams and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is hard for me to see things like that happen just because of my proximity to situations like that and just the damage I know it does, obviously to the people involved, but then um, the people indirectly involved such as the students students who weren't hurt or the parents i mean the mental toll that it that that kind of thing takes on a community is just um it's it's horrible um and that's just that's not even thinking about the physical toll that it took on so many um and the lives that were lost yeah um i know of people almost five years later from my community who are still struggling mentally from what happened um i know at least in my situation there were students who had crawled out the windows to leave the school because it was an active shooter situation and they didn't know if their friends family teachers were getting shot at that time um so the mental toll that does to somebody is a lot but yeah wrapping back around to current situations and when that happens like i remember the parkland shooting um, was a really really hard time for me because that was really close pretty close to when my shooting happened and just kind of seeing all that unfold and it being all over the news and things like that um, but yeah, it's, it's, it is really hard for me to see things like the shooting in Michigan that just happened. Um, because I just, my heart, um, I just, it makes me sad to see people have to go through the same situation that I went through. And so many of my peers went through. Right. Is there a ministry opportunity for you and your family? Um, when you see other communities dealing with things like this? Yeah, there is. Um, we've actually had the opportunity to go speak in a few locations, um, me and then my assistant principal and principal were also Christians. So, um, we were, we've been able to go, um, to both non-Christian events and Christian events, um, kind of like with like active shooter organizations or at schools, which have had situations, um, active shooter situations in like recently. And we've been able to just kind of share our story, share how we dealt with it. And I've been able um, to share my faith and share how God helped me and my community get through that situation yeah. with people who are grieving. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that's going to be part of your story and part of the uh, opportunities that you'll have going forward to help others in similar situations. Yeah. I really look forward to um, using the story that God has given me to help expand his kingdom um, and just help people get through hard times. Yeah. And I marvel uh, listening to you. I mean, I've heard your story many times. You've shared it with me, and we've done some things together as a result of it. But um, just how at peace you are, 
and interested and willing to serve other people. And, and I think that is a true blessing that the Lord has uh, given you that ability to do. Yeah. So I Absolutely. continue to challenge you to keep <laughs> go, going forward. I remember reading, according to your mom, Julie, who's a to- 2001 graduate of Cedar yeah. University, that the scariest time for her was knowing how much lead exposure you had within your body, and you still do today, and the doctors couldn't do much about it. Why couldn't they remove a lot of the lead pellets? Yeah, so um, I was shot with birdshot, which is just a bunch of, it was a 12-gauge shotgun with birdshot shells, and it's a, they're just a bunch of tiny little lead pellets okay. um, that are in the shotgun shell. And so um, in the chest wound, a lot of the pellets kind of went through my chest to kind of out the other side, but in my back wound, they all just kind of went into my back. Um, and so there, it's kind of hard to get a good count, but a good, I mean, at least probably a couple hundred lead pellets in my body. And so that's been one of the major health concerns with the shooting because that much lead leaks into our blood. Um, when, when there, I mean, when there is a foreign body in your body that whatever that foreign body's made of leaks into your blood. So I have lead poisoning my blood at the moment. Um, And so a normal person's lead levels are at about um, zero to five. And then mine got up to about 44. Um, I think it's like, I don't remember the measurement, but 44 was the number. Um, Now they're down to 20, thankfully, and they've kind of stabilized at that point. Um, And there are long-term health concerns that come with having high lead levels. at, at the more extreme ends, it can cause like cognitive issues. It can cause organ failure. I'm kind of more on the more mild end, so I might have some issues in the future, um, maybe once I get a lot older. Um, but yeah. So, do you get regular checkups because of the shooting? Um, not anymore, actually. I go in probably twice a year to test my lead levels, just to kind of keep up with them, make sure they don't spike for any reason or anything like that. But other than that, I'm done with all appointments. Um, I had. A lot of appointments about like with my spine um, because the vertebrae in my spine were really messed up and cracked um, during the shooting. Um, and I had a lot of appointments in the year afterwards for my wounds and to kind of foster the healing for those. But now I, I don't really have any recurring appointments. It's kind of just on an as-needed basis. So since the, since the time of this incident um, into, to, to today, have you had any medical side effects or are you pretty much good to go? Um, really, I have occasional back pain um, just when doing things. Um, if I like sit at a desk too long or something like that, my muscles, there's a big chunk of muscle gone in my back that will never come back. And so the way it's been explained to me is that all the muscles kind of have to work extra hard to keep up with it. And that kind of mm-hmm. strains those muscles. So um, that's really the only main thing right now. I've had to get... Um, I'm going to probably have to get tooth implants for my broken teeth in the future. I just kind of have caps on them right now. So that'll okay. be something to worry about. And then of course the lead levels and the, um, the concerns that come with that. But other than that, I really don't have anything um, physically that affects me anymore. It's interesting as I think about it. Um, when you talked about when you were shot, what c- first came to your mind was the broken teeth. Was that the most painful yeah, it kind of stuck out to the most painful thing. I actually didn't know I had been shot in the back until I was told at the hospital. Really? I had no idea. I think my, I mean, I don't really know how our body work, our bodies work in that and our minds work in those kinds of situations, but I think my body was just in such shock. I mean, I don't really even remember feeling the pain from the gunshots, um, at least initially. 
Um, But I do remember the exposed nerves in my teeth Teeth. from kind of just being broken in half. And and that's really what stuck out to me at first. Fascinating. So from a health, physical health perspective, a mental health perspective, and a spiritual health perspective, how are you today? Yeah, physically, we've kind of talked about I'm doing well. Um, I I really can't be anything but just thankful really for all three of those factors but especially physically mentally i i struggle um i have some i mean i have some issues that i deal with that i didn't have to deal with before the shooting um Mm -hmm. just kind of maybe of getting um kind of mildly depressed at times and kind of anxiety in situations where i wouldn't normally be anxious like if there's uncertainty in a situation um that that can make it especially in like crowds that that is that's pretty hard for me um at times okay. um spiritually i'm i'm doing i'm doing really well um i've i'm very thankful for cedarville um and our daily chapels and just kind of being surrounded by people who are believers and people who encourage me in my faith and also the fact that i get an opportunity to encourage people in, in their faith um that's kind of really helped me just grow um as a christian after the shooting, that was the time at which I kind of took my faith seriously for myself yeah. um, and kind of really started to pursue it. And Cedarville has done nothing but just helped me foster that pursuit of um, yeah, my faith. So, Logan, as I prepare to wrap up the program, I want, to, I want the people to know that the shooter was sentenced to 23 and a half years in prison for his actions. But that doesn't remove the fact that something bad happened to you. So, Logan, as I try to bring the conversation full circle from a spiritual perspective, have you been able to forgive the shooter for his actions? Um, I definitely have been able to. Um, I think, I think honestly, forgiveness kind of came instantly for me. Um, and I, yeah, I think that that moment at which I was talking to the shooter, like I didn't feel any anger toward him. Um, and I don't really know why. I mean, I think that was that was God working in, in me, in my, in my attitude toward the situation. And since then I, I've forgiven him. I've kind of learned that forgiveness is a bit of a process. Um, there'll be times at which I've, I think about it and I just get upset about what happened to me, why it had to happen to me. And I get upset with the shooter. Um, but I don't really struggle with kind of just thinking, kind of catching myself in that and being like, I need to show forgiveness as, um, as we've been forgiven. Um, and so, I think, yeah, one of the biggest things I've learned is just that it is a process and it's something that it's something that we, it's not like you can just, in some situations you can, but for big situations like mine, I've learned that you can't just, you can't just look, look at it and just kind of forgive once and say like, that's okay, I'm done with it because it's, it's such a big factor in my life that I always kind of go back to thinking about it. And that's true for anyone. Our first response should be to forgive because Christ forgave us. And so if Christ forgave us, who are we not to forgive somebody else for whatever they have done to us? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the way I've thankfully been taught to look at it. Um, and I'm thankful that's the way I do look at it now. Were you in the courtroom when he was sentenced to 23 and a half years? Um, yeah, I was. Um, what I was actually, that like? It was, it was, it was hard. I actually gave a bit of a speech to kind of, <clears throat> to kind of talk to the judge and kind of give my reason why I think that he should get the max sentence. And um, 23 and a half was the max? Mm-hmm, it was the max, just based on the, the plea agreement that was reached between the prosecution and the defense. Okay. So what was it like to be in the courtroom and, and to give a presentation to the judge and to the family? Um, it was stressful. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was really hard. It was, 
it had been at that point something that I had spoken on before, but it was just very different there. Having him be there, being able to look at him while I read that um, was 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 hard on me, but I knew that it was something that was important for me to give. But I, I mean, he, he said that he doesn't go a day without regretting what he did, um, which I think is meaningful. Sure. Um, and, and I pray for him a lot. Right. Um, I don't know his, um, his situation with his faith or anything like that, but I pray that, um, he just kind of sees God in his life. Right. Um, and, and I did say when I gave that speech that I've, that I've forgiven him and I have, um, and I'm glad that he's able to know that. Right. Has there been any communication between you and him or the, his family at all since the, the sentencing? Um, since the sentencing, not that I, I don't think, definitely not between us and him. There was really never any interaction between us and him, yeah. um, between us and his family. Like his family didn't commit the crime, they didn't. you know, like they, they were victims of the situation too, right. you know? Um, and so we've been able to interact with them. Um, and it's all been positive, That's great. Um, which is really good. Sure. Well, you, you're an amazing young man and it's all because of the work of Christ in your life. Absolutely. So um, I want to thank you for being transparent with us on the podcast um, because it's a difficult story to to share again. And so thanks for doing it. But I want to wrap up the podcast in my traditional way. Um, I I ask this question to most people. So at the heart of the Cedarville Stories podcast, as you know, because you're a faithful listener, (laughs) um, we strive to tell Cedarville stories for God's glory. How are you bringing God glory in your life? Um, I think I bring God glory just by following his commandments, um, kind of just glorifying him in the way that the scripture tells us to by spreading his word, furthering his kingdom. Yeah. Again, I am, I'm, I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to be able to walk a little bit of the, your journey with you and help you share share it. And hopefully it's an encouragement to other people. So Thanks for joining me this week on the Cedarville Stories podcast and uh, uh, finish strong in your (laughs) final few months of college. I will. And best wishes in your upcoming marriage. Thanks for joining me this week on the podcast. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory.